0: I'm Katie. As Chris said, I work here at Grace Church, and it is such a treat to be speaking this evening. Um, I'm wrapping up our When Jesus Met series, um, which is a joy. But before we begin, I thought there's a couple things you should know about me, maybe if you don't know me that well. Um, the first is that I am a youth worker. So right now, yes, the youth... So right now I am restraining myself from getting you out of your seats and making you do a big icebreaker game. That is, unless you think, can we, no. (laughs) I'll spare you. You're welcome. Um, The second thing you should know about me is that I am from Yorkshire. Thank you, thank you. Um, And my family are here tonight visiting me, so you may be getting a slightly more strong Yorkshire accent than usual. Again, you're welcome. (laughs) As Chris said, uh, this is the final installment in our When Jesus Met series, and I have really loved it. I've been encouraged and challenged, and I have met Jesus again anew through the series, and I hope you have too. Um, So before we begin, I just want to encourage you, um, like we did with our worship time, take a moment and tell Jesus that you want to meet with him tonight, because he wants to meet with you. Tell God that you believe he is here, he is speaking, and you are listening. And if you, like we're saying in worship, if you don't feel like you've ever met Jesus, this could be the night for you, I really believe that. So as I'm reading it, as I'm um, reading the passage, take a moment and tell Jesus that you're up for it, that you want to meet him this evening. So tonight's passage is from Mark uh, chapter 14, and we'll be reading verses 3 to 9. I'm reading from the NIV. Um, You can follow along in your Bible, on your phone, or it'll come up on the screens as well. So Mark 14, 3 to 9, it says, While he, and that's Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So this is the story of Jesus and the woman with the perfume. Although, actually, a better title might be Jesus and the second woman with the perfume. Because, believe it or not, as unusual as this is, this has happened to Jesus before. Jesus has been sitting, (laughs) eating his dinner, and a woman has walked into the room and covered him in perfume before. This is the second time it's happened. What is Jesus' life? I don't understand. Um, So, just in case you think, oh, yeah, I have heard this story before, I just want to check you're not thinking of the other one. So, to clear up, the first one the woman is described as a sinful woman. They are in a house of someone called Simon, bit confusing, but it's a different Simon. Simon the Pharisee, this one's Simon the leper. And uh, the lesson Jesus teaches that time is different. He teaches about forgiveness, he teaches about how when we really know that we're forgiven, we are overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness. So that's that one, different house, different woman, different story, different lesson. Put that one out of your mind, not forever, just for this evening. Um, It's still the Bible, it's still good. Um, But this evening, our story is uh, about a different woman. Uh, Our story is set in the home of Simon the leper, who is probably not still a leper. Lepers didn't host dinner parties. Leopards were. Leopards? No. (laughs) Lepers? Leopards don't host dinner parties either. (laughs) Lepers were outcasts from society. Lepers were sent out of the towns and cities. Lepers were not welcome, let alone those who welcomed others. So this is probably a guy who used to be a leper, which means maybe Jesus healed him. It's not clear, we don't know, but that'd be really nice. So I like to think it's true. Um, So who is this woman at Simon the leper's house? Uh, Mark uh, doesn't tell us her name. Mark doesn't really like details. uh, Is all about the action, And if you read his gospel, it's quite fast-paced and exciting. But thankfully, if you read the account in John, we'll see that um, the woman's name is Mary and that she's at the dinner party with her sister, Martha, and her brother, Lazarus. And this is not the first time that Mary is meeting Jesus. Um, she's actually invited to the dinner party, which again, more detail in John's gospel, is being held in Jesus' honour. She's invited there because she's a good friend of Jesus. Um, She's one of his followers. She's uh, sat at his feet, he visited her house, and she sat down at his feet, taking the place of a student, um, saying, you're going to be my teacher. I'm going to listen to your words. She sat and listened attentively as he taught. She wanted to soak in everything that he had to give her. She loved his words. They weren't like anyone else's words. They were words full of hope and full of truth and authority. And she could not get enough. She sat there at his feet listening. And his words proved not to be just empty words, but she saw that they had power. The next time um, it's recorded that Mary meets Jesus, it's under sad and difficult circumstances. Her brother, Lazarus, who's at the party, at this point, he has died. And that's a dumb sentence even to say. Her brother, who at this point is at the party, at a point previous to this, has died. So something's happened there. Um, (laughs) Lazarus has died and Jesus gets the news and Jesus turns up two days later and Mary is distraught and Mary weeps and Jesus weeps with Mary and Jesus comforts Mary and Jesus is a great friend to Mary and then he goes beyond. He does the absolutely unimaginable. He does the utterly impossible and he says to Lazarus, Lazarus, Get out of that tomb, come back to life, He raises him from the dead, and he's seen walking around. And then for days after, Mary has to host people who are coming to see what's happened here, Where's Lazarus? What's gone on? And Mary gets to tell them the story of what Jesus has done. So Mary is Jesus' friend. Mary knows that Jesus, his words are full of truth and hope, and his words have power. And he really can work miracles. And he really does care for her, for her family. And his presence in her life makes a difference. Mary really knows Jesus. So when Mary hears there's a party in Jesus' honor, she is up for it. She is excited. She's like, yes, Jesus, love that guy. I'm going. (laughs) She decides to get out the jar. Now, we don't know where this jar came from. We don't know... Maybe it's been passed down, a family heirloom. Maybe someone brought it when Lazarus died and then it didn't get used. This is a really expensive jar of perfume. And Mary decides, okay, this is what this gets used for. Um, this is a really, really expensive thank you gift. But in fairness, what do you get someone who just raised your brother from the dead? Like it's, I think it's apt. But I think... <laughs> Martha's probably not convinced. I reckon Martha's like, Mary, just don't, you know, don't be extra. Don't overdo it. Just like, maybe help me make a cake. Like, Martha's at the meal, actually, and she's serving. So she's, you know, she's doing her thing. But Mary's decided this is a go big or go home kind of moment. Mary's decided she is all in. She's got the jar. And it says she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. So she doesn't even get the jar and then gives Jesus a little bit, like a couple of drops, like ceremoniously. She breaks it. Like There's no need for her to break it, but she breaks it. She wants to say, this is all for you. I'm holding nothing back. I'm not saving any for later. I'm not keeping anything for myself. I want to give it all to you. And I think when she broke that jar, she had a moment a bit like what Chris was talking about earlier, actually, A bit like when you see something new or something again of God, and it just makes sense for you to give yourself entirely to him in that moment. I think as she poured out the perfume, it would have seemed more odd to hold something back. I think she knew it was perfectly appropriate for her to give Jesus everything. Maybe you've had a moment like that this evening, maybe in our worship time, where you just thought, I've got to raise my hands. I've got to dance. I've got to bring a song. Of course I do. And in that moment, there's a choice, and you kind of also feel like, I have to. There's no other response. Maybe it's when um, there's an offering, and you're so caught up in the beauty of Jesus that you think, of course, of course I'm going to give everything I have. Of course I'm going to give to this. What, what else would I give to? I think that's kind of a moment like Mary had, um, I had a moment like this uh, earlier this summer. I have a few moments like this, and it often happened in my car. And I don't know if there's something anointed about a Toyota Yaris, but <laughs> if you're looking to buy a car, can't hurt. Um, I was driving to Wales um, for my sister's graduation, and I was not in a great mood. I was a bit stressed. It was a couple weeks before I went to New Day, and I was busy, and I was driving to Wales, and I was going to be driving back 48 hours later, and whatever. I wasn't, like praising Jesus in that moment, you know, and Paul's like, rejoice always, I was not rejoicing, I was just a bit grumpy, and then I came around a corner, and this always gets me, I love nature, and um, there were mountains, and there was the sea, and the sun, and the light, and the sky, and everything about it just shouted, praise the Lord, everything about it woke up my soul from its grumpiness, To praise him. In that moment, of course I was going to worship. In that moment, in my Toyota Yaris. On whatever that road is across the north of Wales. Of course I was going to worship. Because I saw something again. I saw my dad made this. I saw my king constructed this. And he put it here for me. And he put it here to wake me up again. And he put it here to say, Hi, I'm here by my spirit. I'm with you. I had to worship. I had a choice, the radio was on, I could have just gone, oh yeah, nice, nice view, carried on driving, but I turned off the radio, I had to worship. I think that's some of Mary's experience, and I think that's some of our experience as well this evening. But at this party, not everyone thinks that's a great idea, not everyone's impressed with Mary's worship. Why this waste of perfume the others said? And the others aren't that easily dismissible because they're not um, random strangers, they're not great crowds of people, but these are people invited to a dinner in Jesus's honor. So some of these people are disciples, some of these people are followers of Jesus. And again, John's gospel tells us one of these people is Judas. He's the treasurer, he's in charge of the money, and he's saying this is a waste of money. So he's someone with a bit of authority, and they start rebuking Mary, harshly, they can't see any beauty or devotion in what she's done. All they see is foolishness. They see waste. And that must have hurt Mary to be put down and told off, to be made to seem irresponsible and silly, to be made to seem uncharitable. Imagine, she's been so generous, and they've made her out to be uncaring, uncharitable. And I wonder maybe if she started to regret what she'd done, started to overthink it, wanted to take it back. I wonder if she felt embarrassed or ashamed. However she's feeling, she's not left there for long. Jesus steps in and rescues her. What a hero. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. He stands up for her. He doesn't say... Look, lads, I know she's got a bit carried away, but just leave it, yeah? He doesn't say, Mary, heart's in the right place, love, but it's a bit much. Read the room. (laughs) He doesn't even say, again with the perfume, the perfume again when I'm eating. (laughs) He's not annoyed, and he's not embarrassed, and he's not uncomfortable, and he's not patronising, and he's not bored. He is thrilled. He absolutely loves Mary's, Devotion. He absolutely loves her action. He calls it a beautiful thing. It brings him delight. It brings him joy. It thrills his heart to see that Mary is acknowledging who he is and how much he's worth to her. John Piper puts it really well. He says, It is a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match, when the value of his perfections and the intensity of our affections correspond. Jesus loves it because Mary's got it right. He loves her choice to put him first, to give him priority, to recognize him as the most worthy one, as most worthy of her affections, her attention. She knows that there is no greater possible use of her adoration than Jesus. She knows there's no greater possible use of this expensive jar of perfume than to give it to him and she's right and Jesus defends her he explains he says the poor you will always have with you you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me she did what she could and when you first read that it does seem a bit strange doesn't Jesus care about the poor I thought that was part of his deal what does he mean When things in the Bible don't make sense, it's important to use what we already know from the Bible. It doesn't ever contradict itself. It is the word of God, and it does make sense together, even if sometimes on the surface it doesn't seem to. So if we think about what we know from other places, Jesus said, he quotes the Old Testament, that he'd come to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus spent his time with the poor. He deliberately sought them out. He sought out people who no one else wanted to spend time with, like lepers. Maybe leopards, I don't know. (laughs) He was told off, he was mocked for spending time with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus loves the poor. So that's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, the way things are right now, there will always be rich and poor. The way things are right now, there will always be injustice and oppression. There will always be greed and selfishness because there's sin. He's saying... Material poverty is a surface issue. It's a symptom of the bigger problem, and that's what I've come to fix. The big problem, the cause of all the other problems, the brokenness at the very heart of humanity, sin. And he's saying, can you see what's about to happen? He's saying something absolutely huge is about to happen. Can you see? Are you watching? Don't be distracted by anything less. Don't settle for material security. There's about to be a way to eternal spiritual security. That's what the poor really need. That's what the world really needs, and it's coming through me. Jesus is offering them an invitation, giving them an opportunity to see things from his perspective, from his father's perspective, from an eternal perspective, and to get involved in the plan, to join in with what he's doing. That's what's happened to Mary. She's started to see things from this perspective. She's started to see something of Jesus' worth, of his value, his goodness, his significance. Something has been revealed to her, and she's acted obediently in response, something that she couldn't have figured out for herself, but the Spirit has revealed it. And she gets rewarded for her obedience, as well as just honoring Jesus, as well as saying thank you to her friend and her teacher, her rescuer as well as showing him to be of utmost worth to her. her. Her actions are more than that, they're also something prophetic. They're a symbol, they're a sign, they tell a story, they tell God's story. Mary, as she devotes herself to Jesus, as she's obedient, in her right and proper gratitude, she gets to play a role in God's big redemption story. She gets to play her part in what the Father's doing right then, at that time. As she devotes herself to Jesus, her beautiful actions are made yet more beautiful by the meaning that he gives them. Jesus says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Without Mary speaking a word and probably more profoundly than she would have been able to say, her actions shout, here is the king. Here is the precious one. Here is the most worthy one and he's come to die. As the jar is broken and the perfume poured out, Mary gets to mirror Jesus, whose body is about to be broken and whose blood is about to be poured out for his people. Mary performs an act of devotion, and it's beautiful because it points to the ultimate act of devotion that Jesus is about to perform. Her generosity towards him is beautiful because it points to the Father's generosity who did not spare his only son but gave him up so that he could have us as part of the family. Her obedience is beautiful because it points to Jesus' perfect obedience to his father, obedient even to death on a cross. What a privilege that Mary, just by being obedient and responsive to Jesus' goodness to her in the first place, finds herself perfectly in line with the purposes of God, so that her story is woven into his big gospel story in a way that, All this time later, we're still talking about. And not just here, but like Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, she will be spoken of. Jesus' words as she sat at his feet when they first met are true. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What a privilege. I know that's my story. I know that my life once did not fit with God's big plan. I know that my life did not once honor him and give glory to him. I know that my actions once only pointed to myself and nothing else. And I know that as I found Jesus, I found a place in his story. As I saw his devotion to me, I found that my actions could point somewhere better, that they could say something more, that they could have meaning and significance in a way that they couldn't on my own. And if that's not your story, it can be. And if it is, then it should bring you joy. The other people in the room, it wasn't their story. Up till then, they hadn't chosen the better thing. They were in serious danger of being distracted by lesser things um, and missing the best thing. And it's so sad because they were so close to Jesus. They were sitting right opposite him. And they're about to miss it. They're about to miss the whole point of him being there. We know if we read on that Judas definitely misses it. They didn't see the beauty in Mary's actions. They only saw waste. I wonder what they made of Jesus on the cross. I wonder if they remembered this lesson. I wonder if they remembered that this is a beautiful thing and not a waste. I wonder if they could say for themselves, he has done a beautiful thing for me. Or would they just see a wasted life? And we all have days where we're these people. We're not all merry all the time, I know that. I know it's true for me. We all have days where we're distracted and days where we want other things more than Jesus. But thankfully, Jesus never ever goes back on his act of beautiful devotion. He never ever takes it back, he never ever regrets it. It's always there for us to come back to and be wowed by again, like turning that corner in Wales. It's always there to wake up our souls when they're grumpy. He's done it once and for all. He's not taking it back. He broke the jar. It's all poured out and it's poured out for us. Would the band light come up? Mary had seen something in the person of Jesus that meant that she just had to worship. What have you seen of Jesus? How has God been good to you? When we know who Jesus is, when his goodness and his significance and his beautiful devotion have been revealed to us, we have the privilege, like Mary, of being mirrors that reflect him. When we know how good God's been to us, our lives have meaning and our actions point others to him. Let's remind ourselves daily, let's not miss it, let's not get distracted, let's not be put off by opposition, let's go get the jar. Let's choose what's better and let's devote ourselves again to the one who is forever beautifully devoted to us.